Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our Christmas edition. I'm the Motley Fool's Chief Investment Officer, Scott Phillips, and I'm joined by the Managing Director, Founder, Chief Cook and Bottle Washer, and all-round good guy who runs strawman.com, Mr. Andrew Page. Merry Christmas, buddy. Merry Christmas to you too, sir. How are you? Good. I'm very well. Now, we are pre-recording this, just to put it in uh, in context, but this is going to go out, all things being equal, on Christmas Eve. So we're feeling a bit festive. We're not going to try and do anything that's time-sensitive because if the last two years have taught us anything, it's that assuming anything is going to be true in two weeks' time is probably not a very smart idea. Mate, but we're feeling a bit festive. We're feeling a bit Christmassy. We're going to make this a Christmas-themed podcast, are we not? Yes, I think that makes a lot of sense. Nice. Where will tomorrow find you, buddy? Um, probably uh, have, having eaten too much and, and <laughs> sleeping on the couch at some stage. <laughs> a pretty perfect day. Just food? No, no alcohol? In, in, oh, in yeah. Look, I think I, I might just imbibe a little bit, of course. You might have moderation, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Nice. Are you having Christmas with the family? I am. And uh, I'm just, you know, my, real, my wish is, is that it, it's not raining. I, I am yeah. over the rain here in yeah. Sydney. It is oh, just man. La Nina is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I actually, so we recorded this a couple of weeks earlier. I mowed the grass on the weekend. And uh, can I tell you, getting the mower through the grass was an absolute nightmare. Yeah. There was just, so, it was just so thick and long, and it was an absolute debacle. So, yes, mate, I, I'm with you. I mean, well, the, the other, the other, just on lawn mowing, go just on. to really go off on a tangent. Right yes, the get go. Is no, the, the trouble with all this rain is, so I did it the other day too, and thought, oh, geez, that looks good. Oh, I, you know, I put that off for too, too long, and then three days later, it's like, boom, it's just it's like bamboo. It's just growing yeah. at a rate of knots. So, you know what's funny too, mate? Actually, speaking of um, speaking of lawn mowing and other things, um, it's it, it's. I saw a photo. So you might, I've got you know, you and I still have Google Pixels, and uh, Google's got a great feature where you can actually put a widget on your home screen and actually it shows you those memories. You know, memories pop up on your, yep. your phone. Yep. Most people get them. Uh, you can actually put a, the little widget on your screen so you actually see the photos, which is really, oh, really cool. nice. Um, I had a photo pop up of, I think it was three years ago, and it was my young bloke on one of those backyard slip and slides, and, mate, the backyard was brown. Remember, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, you know, we, we, we complain about the, we complain about the, uh, the rain, um, and it would like brown, like it shocked me how brown it was. It, it, obviously, I remember it, mm-hmm. but um, it's funny how quickly we go from you know a yeah. typical. I wish there was some more rain. To oh, I wish the, wish the rain had stopped. Yeah. Uh, it kind of tends to one of those one of those stories, but it's uh, it's a good it's a good uh, reminder to yes. maybe uh, yeah we can we can we can wish for less rain, but um, maybe not too too much less rain because we've yes. been through that and it was a, it was a brutal brutal drought. Yeah. Um, obviously for you know for farmers and other people listening who are living on the land and owe their livings to. Uh, to a decent crop harvest, I'm sure they're happy, although some of the rain is wrecking some of that harvest, which is just brutal again and horribly unfair. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's, a, um, it's a good reminder. Mate, let's, uh, let, let's, let's get on our Christmas episode with a bit of, uh, a bit of tinsel, uh, a bit of holly, a bit of ivy, a bit of uh, – what else do we have? We have some, we have some reindeer. What else have we got? <laughs> cherries. The, theatre theater uh, of the Might. Like a good cherries? cherry over Christmas? Cher- yeah. Oh, yeah, Christmas cherries. Uh, maybe Christmas cake or two. And we're going to bring you – well – Let's start around the dinner table, Andrew. Let's start around the dinner table, which has at its centrepiece a roast bird, maybe a turkey, maybe a chicken, a roast bird on the middle of the table, ready to be carved up to feed the family a lovely, lovely Christmas feast. And I mean, there's some vegans and some vegetarians, so apologies if that's offensive to you, but uh, share, share with us in the Christmas spirit in a virtual sense at the very least. I know you like 
bit of turkey. You like a bit of chicken. I do too. We, we normally have a bit of chicken on Christmas Day. There is a story that goes with that chicken. <laughs> and it's not the most Christmassy of stories. It's not, it's not the, it's not, it hasn't got a goodwill to all men ending. Yeah. Or at least not a goodwill to all turkeys ending. Yeah. This is a story you've heard before, you've told before. But I thought given we're starting around the virtual Christmas table, about to tuck in, I thought you might share with us a Christmas dinner related investment story with a message. Would you share that with us? I'd, I'd be happy to, my friend. I'm going to butcher it and I'm, I'm going to forget who I should attribute this to because it's it's not my I, story. I've never actually heard it attributed. I, I think it's one of those kind of stories that's been around so many times no one knows. Maybe someone does. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So it's a story about a turkey and what the story is mm. really about is being careful not to extrapolate past experiences onto the future, mm-hmm. which is a really good lesson when it comes to investing because things can happen for a long, long time, for such a long time that it just it becomes considered normal and thus how it, it shall evermore be. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story goes is that there's a turkey and uh, turkey lives on a farm and uh, the farmer takes care of the turkey. So this whole, the, the, the entire life of the turkey Mm. From their perspective, their experience has been you've got this wonderful farmer person mm. who mm. puts you in a nice dry shelter, keeps you out of the weather, keeps the foxes away, feeds you, probably gives you a shot of antibiotics every now and again just mm. to make sure mm. that you're healthy. In fact, really trying to make sure that you're growing and healthy and plump and content. Um <laughs> And, you know, the other animals might say, geez, you got to watch out for that farmer guy. He's no good. And he's like, what are you talking about? Everything that I have ever experienced in, in my personal experience suggests that this guy is a good guy and he is only mm-hmm. interested in looking after me. And, of course, the story ends with uh, the farmer coming with an axe one day and <laughs> chopping off the turkey's head. Um, and Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have read it in one of Taleb's books, actually. But right, it's, this, okay. it's this idea of sort of reasoning <laughs> or inferring on the future. I actually first told this at a Motley Fool event. <laughs> you did. <laughs> when people were talking about the, it didn't go down well. Yeah, we're, up, we're up on stage, as I recall, many, many years ago. Andrew's well, gone, I've got a good story. Yeah, well, and you finished the story, people kind of looked around, like, kind of looked, didn't no one made eye contact. It was a little uncomfortable for a bit. It was actually about the banks. And yeah. so, so the banks, particularly <laughs> if you're of a certain vintage, mm. have just been absolutely just the most wonderful investment ever. You know, yeah. people who were sort of holding banks in the 90s just had a couple of decades of insanely mm, great mm, returns. Mm. Very, very low risk, very, very high rates of capital growth, mm, very high mm, rates of dividends, mm. franking credits, the lot. You know, if mm-hmm. you if you hold any, held any of the major banks really over that period of time, you did, you did extraordinarily well. And it happened for so long that it just it became canon almost. You know, it yes. just sort of became yes. an investing mantra that you mm-hmm. hold a lot of the big banks, you will always do well. And yeah. my point was sort of being was like, yeah, but there was some historical uh, uh, context there that really sort of drove all of that. Some big structural changes mm. you don't get into, but, you know, a whole bunch of things. It just meant there was just wind in the sails for those yeah. banks and, and they were always going to do extremely well, which is great. But it, but it was also in recognising that, understanding whether those drivers were going to persist indefinitely or even for another 10 years or so. So I just felt it was a it was it was a bit of a, a turkey analogy, um, and I think in, into that and related to banks, there's probably something to be said about property. Not to not to dive into that too much as well, but that's I think that's a very applicable to the turkey story as well because there are people of our generation, mate, who have not known anything except yes. you know this, this idea that property doubles every ten years. Actually, pretty yeah. sensible. 
uh, inference to make if you're experienced. This isn't something, I, you know, I'm not silly enough to extrapolate from the last few years, but you can go back a long way and it's kind of always been thus and always been something that you could look at as, as rock solid, super safe because, you know, even in GFCs and even in COVID crisis, you know, thing, it just, it's just sort of held up. Mm. So I do wonder if one day we'll find the farmer come to our, our to our uh, to our cage with an axe on, on that one and then mm. all of that past mm. experience is is for naught but uh, mm. I don't know can you think of any other things that might fit the the turkey allegory man I think I think it's life in general I think the human desire the human tendency to extrapolate is what we were born to do yeah. our biology just starts there right you, you kind of it's actually a pretty good heuristic for, for a lot That's of situations. Heuristic. Well, yeah. and this is the problem with investing. So let's take it back to investing. The, the, the investing may just be, and I'm sure there are others, but investing may just be the strongest example of an entire pursuit devoted to overcoming our own human biology. Mm. In a way that I don't really think, there must be others. I'm sure there are others. I'm sure people are now thinking and yelling at the podcast machines that there's dozens of them. But if you think about exactly that, for all of the things that we we, we evolved to learn and know and do that were absolutely, hey, the lion roars, you run, right? It's just what you do. Yep. Investing is exactly the opposite of that. It is truly, you know, when the market falls, you hold on or you buy. There's, there is no, I don't know anywhere in life where it's, it pays to be contrarian, right? Mm. Um, it, it just, it just you know, there's a flood coming. That's okay, I'll wait till the flood passes because, you know, then it'll be dry. Mm. No, don't get out of the way of the flood. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just, I just don't know anything that's kind of biologically designed that way. I'm sure, again, I'm sure there are options and I'm sure there are alternatives and I can't think of them. But it just, it just is really, really important because if you think about what investing is, it's all of those things that are about, and that's why it's hard, right? That's, that's exactly why it's hard. Mm. If this was easy, the returns on offer would be half. Yeah. Literally half, right? Because there is, you know, the, the so-called risk premium doesn't really exist in real life at a, at, a, at a market level. I mean, it does. Like you get a risk premium. That's what the, the investing, just, the excess just investing to explain we that. versus anything else yeah. is so you all, get- you know, it, it's, it's, it's allegedly down to risk, right? We, we demand more because as a risk we lose money. Right, right. And yet- Decades and decades and decades and decades and decades of, of history say, and again, this could this could very well be the turkey, right? It's, yeah. it's very possible the big- that the last 150 years of investing is the turkey story. Yeah, um, maybe, but but it's probably not. And I think that to me is the the idea of trying to make sure you know what you're getting. Um, and, and yeah, as you say, that, I think that to me that the very the, the very idea of investing, the very concept of investing, I think is the story. Yeah, I think it's also useful to when looking um, at any any kind of company or investing in any kind of ways to understand yep. Yep. those things that might be what a mathematician would call mean reverting, and other things that are more susceptible to sort of fat tail kind of risk. Now, we're not mathematicians. So explain mean reverting that. and explain fat tail risk for me. There are something trees don't grow to the sky, right? So they they can get very tall, um, but they don't keep on growing forever. I mean, right. logically, that'd be the case. Otherwise, it's yeah. going to sort of hit the sun after a while. You know, it just yeah. it just doesn't go all that way. <laughs> so, so there are certain things in life that just fit a bell curve really, really, really nicely. And if you find yourself sort of skewed to the left or right, over time, you can mm. very reasonably expect to sort of head back towards the, the, the median. Um, a good example here might be market multiples, for example. So price earnings or price to sales or price to cash flow, whatever you kind of, they, they, they can't go up forever. And yeah. likewise, they can't really go to zero. They, yeah. they, they can get really low for long periods of time. They get really high and extended for great periods of time, but they can't continue. That, that is a very much a mean reverting mm. kind of quality. Um, and there are other things that are far more um, 
exponential in their character. Mm, mm, Something mm. here might be the growth available to an internet, a truly globally exposed internet business. Mm, because even mm. though, you know, you, it would have been a, an analyst of the 1960s would have would never have been able to, with a straight face, say that I expect <laughs> that this billion-dollar company will compound its sales at 20% over a 20-year period. You know, right, it's just, right. that's insane. Um, but actually, that's that's actually not that insane for a for a company that that can address, in theory at least, you know, five billion people uh, connected to the internet. So there is something, and that 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 throws you as well too, because you 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 start getting some really insane assumptions, well, seemingly insane assumptions here, mm. because it's just very hard to imagine a caliber or a character of growth of that kind of nature. <laughs> but that's the skill with a lot of these things is looking at the various things and asking. What kind of situation are we looking at here? A yeah, good exa- another good example might be Woolies and Coles, both great businesses, mm, right? Mm. But but they're never then their their market share. I would imagine is pretty much going to sort of mean revert. You know, Woolies is sort of ahead in one quarter, and then Coles, yep. and you know, there's lots and lots of column inches sort of written about it. But they're, <laughs> they're, those 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 two are probably going to sort of dance around that that market share uh, uh, sort of average. They're never going to have a a, a quality of growth, which is sort of 10% excess sustained for any length of, of time. They're, they're, they're yeah. too big and mature. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's about knowing what you're looking at and knowing whether what what kind of character it has. Um, and, and just to talk about the fat tail events, there, there are some things out there that you're never going to, if you're talking about human height is a good example, right? So mm-hmm. some people are very short, some people are very tall. But you know that if you're holding an event that, you know, a 20-foot a person is not going to walk into the room in, the, in much the same way as a one-inch person is not yep. going to walk. You, yep. Yep. That is so far out on that bell curve as to be impossible. Mm-hmm. But, but there, are, there are things in investing which can be seem like, oh, there's a one in a billion chance of that kind of stuff. <laughs> but mathematically, one in a billion thing, chance things happen all the time because it's a law of large numbers, right? There's just a lot of people doing a lot of things over a long period of time. These things happen a lot of the time. So, again, I think, I think thinking probabilistically is a very useful skill for investors and just in life in general. But mm-hmm. you've, got to under, you've, got to tr- you've got to try and get a good grasp on the thing that you're talking about what, again, what is its what is its character? Is it is it mean reverting? Is it something that is fat tail? Is it something that's exponent, truly exponential mm, in nature? Mm, mm, is mm. is uh, good mental models to use that term to, to have in your head when when approaching certain things? Mm. I like that, mate. It's um, and I think that's that that is the challenge of investing, right? Because trees don't grow to the sky, and yet people have underestimated the the compound growth of Google or Apple or Amazon, for example. I own both those shares for years. Mm. The idea yep. of like, well, it couldn't possibly be worth that because yep. no, it will. And again, maybe today's price is still overvalued, right? But just purely the business growth alone. Yeah. You know, 25 years ago, no one said, Amazon's going to go up 20% per annum for 25 years. It was, just, it, was unco- it was unconscionably impossible. On the flip side, as you say about the banks where we started, um, the very idea that the banks would keep growing their earnings at that rate because of the way they got that growth, understanding the business. Woolies and Coles is a great example, mate, because it's, it's less emotive and it's also a bit, little bit older. Mm. Um, I remember when I – so when I first started working – my first job out of school was at um, – I worked for Woolies in the, in the grog shop, then I worked in Woolies head office, and I went to a food supply at Heinz. And in the early 80s, Woolies and Coles together had something like 35% market share. Mm. Mm. And there were a whole there – were, there were just dozens and dozens. Safeway was a separate business, Fleming's, Franklin's. Um, IGA was around. There was a million different little independent supermarket banners. There was Night Owl and IGA and all, this, all sorts of stuff. Mm. Um, and again, people are probably yelling at the at the, at the podcast machine right now. Um, 
And, and, and Woolies and Coles found a model that worked and they prosecuted that model and Woolies went from $2 to 40 bucks. Yeah. And so that's why it's important. You think about Woolies today and we say rightly, well, they can't go to the sky because they're already massive and blah, blah, blah. Mm. 25 years ago, they were the opposite. They were literally those trees, those saplings, to mm. torture the metaphor, mm. that had been planted and started to grow and started to crowd out the other uh, foliage. <laughs> See how I go with my bio- biology metaphor. Um, and as they did so, they got more sunlight and they started to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. So the, the, it's, it's, I, don't, I don't buy the life cycle idea of companies that they somehow have to die. There is a birth and a maturity and a death. Mm. But that very idea of... You, you kind of struggle and struggle and struggle to be different and relevant and whatever. And then all of a sudden you hit some sort of um, uh, recipe, method, call it what you want, right? Oh, a fertilizer. Mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll call that for, for my, my biological metaphor. Um, and it starts to work. And then you go, oh my God, that thing's growing. We were talking about grass before with rain. That, wow, that, that thing's growing really strongly. And, it's, and that's where it's important to be able to say, hey, that business could possibly be a Woolworths tree, but it also might die in the shade. Yep. And then it's like, wow, that thing's actually kind of working and they're only 15, 20, 25% market share. Mm. Gee, there's a lot of opportunity left for those, that business. Yep. And then you get to a point where you're like, you know what? And this is the banks. We've got to a point now where the big four banks and the big two grocers are, depending on which category and how you measure it, 80 to 90% of the market. And at that point when the market's only growing at GDP <laughs> and they're already massively dominant and have the market between them, that is maturity. That is the trees that have stopped meaningfully growing mm. and won't grow to the sky any further because they can only ever get so tall. And I think that's that life cycle really, really important to understand because understanding when, not even when to buy, when to sell. Because you, you, if you bought was at two and you sold it at 40, you're probably completely fine. You're getting paid a fortune dividends or everything's great. Mm. But knowing when to assume what future, the dot-com crash, same thing, right? Mm. Everyone assumed it was going to be fantastic and all of a sudden it was great and and just didn't happen. And so there are... There are ways to think about companies, as you rightly point out, whether you think about mathematically, like fat tails and bell curves and other things, or you just literally look at it and go, where is it in its life cycle? Yeah. And, and you know, as I said, to again, use biology, many, many saplings, most saplings probably die. Mm. And so just because it could possibly be the next company doesn't make it enough. Once it starts to become that, yeah, you can imagine what it might look like. Yeah. But also, again, at the other end, you have to realise when the growth story is over. And that's fine. You don't have to get sell at that point. Mm. Just recognise that the risk-reward scenario is different. The pricing is different. You shouldn't pay as much for the future earnings because they're not going to be as good. So it's worth keeping all that stuff in mind. Yep, yep. And and look, companies are, are good at expl- telling a story and that kind of stuff. Yep. So you see a lot of you see a lot of slide decks and stuff, which mm. we talk about the TAM, the total addressable market, yes. or sometimes yep. the serviceable addressable market. You know, it's like the old. It's like you know the justification, like oh, we're going to move into China because if we get half a percent of the market, yeah, that's still. That's right. It's like it's, yes, it's all yeah, kind yeah. of true, and yes, yeah, they are very big addressable markets. But mm. you've you've got to go to the next level then and say, well, okay, well, what evidence do I see that you're actually prosecuting and capturing this, and that you will end up with a with a very large share of that kind of stuff? So yeah, I, I think I think things like looking at the actual sales numbers. A very, a very, very illuminating on that front. So a company says, "Oh, it's a huge total addressable market. We haven't really sold anything yet, but when we do start selling it, we're going <laughs> to." That's a very different. That, that's yes, that's that's yes, been the case with yes. oh, geez, so many. Lithium's a great example at the moment. Oh, lithium, remember graphene. Graphene was the other one. Um, huge, huge potential yeah. markets for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and in fact, actually, a lot of good thinking you go into to suggest yeah. that that's yeah, yeah, legitimate. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I'm 100 percent convinced that EVs are going to be a, a massive thing, and that batteries mm. are, are going to be mu- uh, uh, very much in demand, and we're going to need lots and lots of them. Mm. But for a, com- a lithium miner that hasn't yet started extracting and has only got a bit of a reserve, which has got some mm. some mm. interesting drill results, 
Like to get from that to exploit to, to becoming a ten percent yeah. owner of, of that massive market is there right. is so many and and obviously if you add up all mm-hmm. of the companies saying that <laughs> you know you can't all you can't all capture a meaningful there has That's, to be yes. a bunch of losers in all of yes. that so now it's a bit different if you say to me hey this company's got a very large serviceable market. The product that they're selling is actually getting huge traction. In fact, they're, they're selling 40% more than they did last year. And the year before that, they're selling 100%. So it's actual, it's, it's, there's, there's demonstrable demand for their product. And it looks as mm. though they've got a leading position in the market. You know, there's only them and two or three other people that are doing this kind of thing. Yeah. You, you, this is research. This is what you do. Why, A, okay, it's a good story, but B, is that actually being realised? You know, C, is there any kind of real genuine sales momentum in here that we can expect to continue? And that's the other thing is that once these, do, once these boulders start rolling, once these snowballs start rolling, they really do take on a life of their own. And that's, that's when things really, really yeah. get interesting. Yeah. Um, but yes, you've got to you've you've got to see you've got to have a good story. Yes, you've got to have good potential. Yes, but you've actually got to see good execution. You've got to see evidence of that too. And and that's why again, if you, I, I'll go back to my story. If you if you have a lot of little seedlings in the in the you know in the park or the bush or wherever you are, mm. um, the fact that one of them might possibly be the next big tree is 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 worth knowing. Yep. The fact that most of them won't be because they'll get crowded out, they'll die, or they'll only grow to a couple of feet tall or whatever mm. is also worth knowing, right? Because just because it could. You know, if you pick the wrong tree, the wrong two or three trees, mm. you still might do your dough. Yeah, and that, and that's why that's why it's, you know people will say, well, I don't want to miss out on the on the growth, and you know, so often the response from someone who is is you know investing all this speculative stuff is, oh yeah, well I'm going to get it, I'm going to get the big wins because I've already bought it. If you wait now, you'll lose all this opportunity. Mm. And yes, that's absolutely technically true. Mm. You also missed the probability of losing a small fortune back in the stuff that doesn't work. Yeah, and so it's one of those things you don't have to you know human speaking of humanity and a natural instinct. Greed is a really funny thing, right? And and add, add envy to that. They're really, really, really brutal masters mm, mm. because you don't want to say, well, hey, what if I miss the big gains? What if I what if I get on Amazon too late? What if I get on Apple too late? What if I get on Afterpay too late? What's going to happen then? And they're the right questions. But, mm. you know, if you'd have bought something else instead, um, the Zune from Microsoft, the Kobo uh, <laughs> sure, uh, e- e-book reader, yes. um, you know, like it, it, it's it's just, you know, there, there are plenty. And we don't talk about the ones that die because you kind of don't remember them and they kind of... Maybe they never make a splash, maybe they do, but it's okay to say, you know what, I'm going to give up the first little bit of gains or decent bit of gains to to make sure, no, you can never make sure, but to increase the probability of success with that one investment. I think there's- I 100% you, you, agree. You can do it the way. You can, yeah, if you, if you want to be a scattergun approach and you think you can put the probabilities in your favour, good luck, you can do that if you want to. But there is also value in saying, you know what, I don't have to buy every single tree just in case one of them is the next big one. I'll wait until it sees. It seems to be obviously growing strongly, and it's bigger than its its competitors. And yes. you know, it's, it's got an early advantage. Okay, well, that's probably a pretty good chance it's going to keep doing well. There's a lot of examples of that too. I mean, it's it's very hard. It's very hard to 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 buy into a company whose shares have gone up and up and up and up and up because it just seems as though you're <laughs> yeah. too late. It seems I've as though you've out. missed yes. out. Yes. And you you obviously have missed out on. And yeah. that's where, by the way, let's be let's be real. The the very very best gains are made from the people who are in on the ground floor. Yeah. Something yeah. that goes from hyper speculative to legitimacy is is 100x right there. It's it's huge. Yep. But as you say, it's a bit of a lottery ticket. The the, the thing is you can do extraordinarily well buying yeah, something. Exactly. 
So zeros, we've talked about that recently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you in 2019, you could have bought that around 40 bucks a share. Mm-hmm. But that would have seemed really expensive because it's basically doubled <laughs> over the last 18 months. Yeah. But the business, the business gained a lot of traction, you know, a lot of success in going into uh, offshore markets. And you've you got to remember, it sort of started off as this Kiwi business that sort of went, you know, came into Australia and then overseas, you know, it just – it, and, and people who bought at the very, very low levels have, have done much, much mm. better. But if you bought, mm. it, I don't think anyone listening today, if I said, hey, would you take the opportunity to travel back in a time machine? <laughs> you know, they're 141 bucks yeah, today yeah, in the space yeah, of, you yeah. know, three years or something from 40 to yeah. 140. It's an incredible return. So you, you and but it was a much lower, it was a much, well, no, I wouldn't say mm. much lower risk, but it was a lower risk proposition. Then, oh, it was, yeah. Even. yeah. So it, it, you, this is another, just to sort of wade into the um, academic side of things a little bit more. What really matters is not so much the return potential of an investment, because the best return potential is it actually a literal lottery ticket. Yeah. Because I can spend two bucks and, yeah, I, can, right, and I can exactly. win $90 million. 80, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. That, that is the best return yeah, proposition yeah, that's yeah. out there. But yeah. what, what a, what a uh, <laughs> mathematician might look for would be what they call a risk-adjusted return. So the return in context of the risk that you're taking. Mm. And sometimes, and this is a personal choice, but I would argue that sometimes it makes a lot more sense to have a very low risk 10% average yes. annual return yep. than a 20% re- return that's hyper, hyper risky, which could be 20% per annum or it could be zero. <laughs> um, you've, you've got to look at it through that lens. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. We're going to share some more Christmas cheer. Let's um, let's talk about Christmas trees, mate. Hopefully, tomorrow morning, St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, Father Christmas will arrive and leave plenty of presents under the tree for good boys and girls, some of whom are listening, so we're big fans of Santa Claus. Uh, but there's, well, let's just say there's some opportunities to uh, make a, a very, very, very big saving on a Christmas tree. A bigger saving than you might imagine on a Christmas tree. You can get an absolute bargain Christmas tree, but there's a catch, right? There is. And I, this is another stolen uh, allegory from a <laughs> former colleague of yours and mine, Joe Mager. Over at, like, at least we can credit this one. Yes. Yep. yes. Um, maybe he stole it, but I'm going to give him attribution. <laughs> but he was basically trying to, he was trying to explain to his investors the mm. kind of approach that they take with investing. And he's saying, we're, look, we're the kind of company that looks to buy um, – Christmas trees on Boxing Day. <laughs> and it, it just resonates a lot because let's let's have a look at what you're buying. And when I'm saying Christmas trees, he's talking about the plastic ones. And mm. uh, as a lot of people know, they're actually pretty impressive these days. You get some really, really great <laughs> trees. But the demand just falls away. No mm. one's interested in buying. And, and in fact, any any department store that's got any left are just trying discounting them to, to get rid of them. Mm. But you've got something that is legitimately a very durable asset. A, a good quality artificial tree will last you for 10, 20 years uh, if mm. looked after mm. well. You know that only unless you change uh, faith or cultural practice, you know, you're, you're probably going to be celebrating Christmas again next year and the year after. Mm. So it's guaranteed that you're going to use it. It's guaranteed <laughs> that it's going to last. And, you know, so on a future present value, so on a net present value kind of basis. I mean, mm. it, you, it, it's, it is ridiculously good value on Boxing Day. The day before on Christmas Eve, for the people who have left it all to the last <laughs> minute, they will pay anything for that. Yes, yeah, correct. And he's basically saying that's how we're trying to buy stocks, things that we yeah. know will be around for a long time that, 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 that will, will continue to deliver value for their owners. 
but at a point when they're just the market's not really interested in buying them. And I just thought it was such a great metaphor for stocks because it, it is it, it goes to show you our thinking. I mean, why aren't we all buying? Mm-hmm. You know, Halloween's becoming more of a That's thing right. in Australia. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we actually did it this year. Um, there's a bunch of stuff on. So, and then, you know, after after that passes, they, again, everything's just discounted down to nothing. It's like, oh, I'm pretty sure my mm. kids are going to want to do that again next year. <laughs> Buy a bunch of stuff, you know, that, that, yeah, that, that'll yeah, last yeah. till then. It just, it is, it is a very sensible way of thinking when it comes to in, to investing because mm. most mm. of the things that, that weigh us down and that worry us and that give, give, yeah. pri- uh, give pricing opportunity or value opportunities mm. are generally transient and- you know, that's the, it's the whole Warren Buffett thing. Buy when others are buy, be greedy when others are fearful, and fearful when mm. others are greedy. There's a lot to be said for that. I think that's really true, mate. Particularly because and I, I, I'm glad you mentioned Buffett. A because we're contractually obliged to mention Warren Buffett, <laughs> uh, but B because it, you know we just talked about growth stocks uh, when we talked about you know the, the opportunities that. that potentially exist. This is not what well, can be a growth stock story, but this isn't necessarily even a growth stock story, right? This is one of those stories where there are really great businesses out there. Woolies went from forty dollars to twenty so we're speaking Woolies again, went from two to forty. Mm. They were back to twenty for a couple of I was a six months maybe mm. when um when they had some profit issues because they'd got too big, they'd got they they'd kind of messed up a little bit. And and realistically, Buffett also talked about buying you know, great businesses when they're when they're on the operating table. Mm. And this is exactly again, well, easy in hindsight, but I think at the time it was pretty obvious. Um, you know, well, I, by the way, I think this is expensive at the current price, but um, at twenty bucks, like, well, hang on, well, it's Woolies going anywhere? No, mm. are they going to be fine? Yes, they'll find a way. And if you can go, if buy a great business, you know, literally a bedrock Australian business, when it was on special because of a short term problem, yeah, you know, you didn't have you didn't have to believe that you know, even even to your point about zero ramage, that was, was was pretty much a lock that it was a successful enduring business, but there was some risks around it. Was you know maybe maybe things change. This is Woolies, it looks right? it looks quote unquote <laughs> expensive there for a right. while, yeah, but yeah. this is Woolies, this is Woolies, so it's yeah. like twenty bucks, man, you know. So that, that's the opportunity, and I love that idea of. Um, it is. It is such, and this is why. That's why I like the Christmas show. A couple of reasons. First is um, it's Christmas. Second is we like Joe. Third is, uh, as you already mentioned, the contrarian nature. But it's also just a reminder that humans are weird, mm. right? There is no reason why more of us wouldn't go and buy the Christmas trees at half price, except mm. we don't because we're not in that frame of mind at that point. Yeah, and a year is a year is an right? eternity away, right? Right, like, and and you don't think about it. Oh, I should probably get one. Oh, I won't get around to it. And it's just being prepared, being mm. thoughtful. Understand that's probable. As you say, if you're going to have a tree for the next, I don't know how long trees last for, let's say 10 years, the 10 years you get out of it, you just got to wait 11 years to put it up. And you should have the same 10 years because it's not going to rot or die or, no. you know, it's, assuming it's a plastic tree. Don't, don't yeah. buy a real tree. Don't buy a real no, tree. this story doesn't work with real trees. That's a, bad, <laughs> that's a bad idea. But um, yeah, just just worth, worth thinking about. I like, the, I like that story a lot and we like, we like Uncle Joe. So that, that's a good one. Nice. Mate, um, you mentioned, we mentioned, both mentioned Santa Claus. Let's, uh, let's go to one of the great... Christmas gifts for investors. The, the one named after the jolly fat red man himself, the Santa Claus rally. Right. The fact that the fact that St. Nick turns up every year and says, here you go, investors, here's some returns for December for your shares because I'm a nice bloke, because it's Christmas. It happens in December. It's the Santa Claus rally. Um, it's, oh, look, I'm, I, I like a gift. I like higher share prices. Why shouldn't I be buying into the Santa Claus rally, Ram? Well, I actually don't know if it's statistically valid anyway. Um, this idea that shares must j- be everyone talks about it. Yeah, they they do. There's others like October is crash month. The others uh, was it sell in May and walk away. <laughs> Go away. Yes, yes. Um, uh, 
it's true when you notice it and it's often not true. Mm. And if you add up all of the Decembers, you know, going back 50 mm-hmm. years and you do a, a, try and a test, a statistical mm. test for validity there, which I actually tried to do one year. <laughs> this is 10 years ago now, so I don't mm-hmm. – but, but at the time it was like there, there's – uh, what what you do with some of these tests without getting too far into the rabbit hole, you look to see if randomness alone can explain it, um, because mm. if it can, that's probably what's going on. <laughs> and it didn't it didn't pass that test. So in other words, it's like right. yes, if you just look at it like you know over the last fifty December's, December is the one that tends to go up the most. Mm. But then it's a, it's like I could I could flip. Um, you know, a coin a thousand times. I'm not going to get exactly 500 heads and 500 tails, even though that's mm-hmm. that's where it's going to trend to over time. You will see um, some some things show up more than others, but is that what you would expect in a purely random situation anyway? And often it is. So I think one, it's one, it's kind of it's a nice it's a nice kind of thought to have. Two, I don't think it's it actually has any validity to it. Three, even if it even if it did, are the gains meaningful enough to sort of plough all of your money in at December 1 and then sell on December mm, 31? Mm. Generally, generally not. And then one one of the other problems that we've talked about, if there was any truth to it anyway, it would be arbitraged away because everyone would yeah. buy on just on November 30 to get in ahead. <laughs> That's right. And then that, that would mean that November 30 stops working so Correct. everyone would start Correct. buying on November 29 and it just, it just regresses away. So it's kind of – it's a nice story. Every year we hear about it in the financial press, about the Santa rally and rah, rah, rah. Just, what a waste of time! It's a stupid thing. In fact, Matt, I'm going to I'm going to double down on your your reversion and, and people pre buy it because the Santa Claus rally is relatively new, and it follows the January effect. Yes, right, right. And there's a reason it follows the January effect, right? Which is exactly what you were just saying. Yeah. And this is where this is this is the other thing we think about finance, right? Because nothing this is not in a vacuum. If 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 ran, if if we were observing from a distance, uh, some ants doing a thing. And we're like, well, is it a real pattern or is it just random? And you might decide it's a pattern, you might decide it's random, but they wouldn't be part of it. They're, they're, they're unwilling, unknowing participants in our little experiment. Mm. When it comes to investing, we are participants in our own experiment, right? And mm. so we all go, hey, there's a January effect. And so to your point, even if it, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it is random. I really don't think it's random, mate. Yeah. I think it's behavioural. And I think it's literally the fact that there was a January effect. And the shares used to go up in January. And it was, oh, it's the January effect. Is that because all Let's the brokers all... came back from holidays or something after? Oh, probably. In the I don't, Northern I don't, Hemisphere I, I, yeah. was some story about that, right? And then My memory like... doesn't go back that far, but that sounds about right. Okay. Exactly, yeah, back from back from leave. Anyway, so there's that. And then you say, okay, well, well that's the, by the way, that's the summer may go away. Um, that's the, that's their summer holidays too, by yes. the way. That's yes. why that, the, that was why the allegation was that yes. shares would fall. Um, so there was a January effect. People started to front run the January effect by buying in December. Guess what? The January effect went away and we had the Santa Claus rally. <laughs> we will have at some point in your and my professional lifetime, Ram, the November effect. Yes. I don't know what it'll be called. It'll probably be called in Australia the Cup Day effect or something. Uh, it, someone will come up with a name. It'll probably rhyme. It might have some acronyms as, as the cool kids do these days with FOMOs and YOLOs and stuff. Um, it will happen because people will try and front run the Santa Claus rally by buying in November. It's exactly as you've just said. And I think this is... My, I, I have no evidence for it. I haven't done the work. I'm not intending to do the work. But I, if you ask me to put some money on, I would put a decent, smallish, but decent amount of money on the fact that December, Santa Claus rally exists because of the January effect and eventually it will be arbitraged away because everybody says, shares it up in December. Oh, that's great. Thank God. I'll put some money to work in late November and see if I can be, get some Santa Claus rally benefit. What happens? Well, the, the money that caused the Santa Claus rally is no longer there because it's all in November. And then we have a November effect. And then we'll have an October effect. And at some point before you and I are dead, there'll be a July effect and we'll, I think it'll go around in circles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if – here's the thing. Even if it's – let's say for the sake of argument that it is a genuine thing and that you <laughs> can expect 
because these are this isn't something it it, it happens ninety percent of the time, but it happens yeah. to a yeah. significant enough degree that sort of seven times out of ten it's true. Mm-hmm. Well. Is this the year that it's going to do? It, it still seems like I, I don't know how about you, but I wouldn't mm. be making large thousand dollar bets on something. <laughs> Even seven out of ten are good odds, yep, but you've yep. only you know. So I just looked over the last five years. Three over the last five market looks as though it's gone up to some yep. reasonable degree in December. So if you'd yep. gone in with the just the the Santa Claus rally kind of strategy, it's sort of like <laughs> okay. It looks as though, on balance, you've won more than you've lost. Sixty percent of the time, you've been right, but those other times, you've 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 been wrong. Um, what's it going to be next time yep. around? Correct, correct. You know, there, I I can absolutely, on a perfectly balanced coin, flip five heads in a row. Yes, yeah, yes, that's, yeah. that's not. You and know, it doesn't mean the next one's likely to be heads. It doesn't. In fact, it's fifty-fifty every single flip. I can yep, flip a correct, million correct. heads in a row, and it's yes. if, assuming it's a fair coin. The next flip yes. is still always fifty-fifty. Yeah. Um, so it's just it gets it gets really silly. So you, to, to prosecute that strategy accurately, even if yeah. it's a, a, a true thing, you have to do it over many, 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 many December. So you're getting one crack a year to get this slight little thing. <laughs> That's right. That you might and have to do for ten or twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Before the before the, the weight of the the, the, the statistics yeah. sort of work in your favor. Uh, seems seems like a really dumb strategy to me. Yeah, it, well, it, particularly I think yeah, particularly because the the idea would be if you're going to try and take advantage of that, you would be somehow finding extra money or borrowing some money or mm. you know if you got the money, put it in the market anyways. My view, although Andrew would say wait for the pitch. Either way, mm-hmm. putting the money just in December for the sake of it. If you pick the bad month and it falls 15 percent, and you've borrowed for it or you've used all up your spare cash or something, yeah, uh, on, on a on a 60-40 split, again, if you had it, if it was legitimate, if it was continuous, it's not because we're inside the experiment. We're not outside the experiment. So our behaviour changes the outcomes, as I said. Yeah. And at Ram's point, if you're even, even allowing for that, you're still six out of, you know, three out of five. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, 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 every, every, you know, the chance of you being right is just not worth it. Anyway, yeah. Not worth it. So uh, ignore the Santa Claus rally, yeah, even though do. we do love Santa Claus. Mate, um, let's talk about Christmas gifts. We are torturing the Christmas metaphor. It is Christmas Eve. Uh, Merry Christmas again. We are going to torture this Christmas metaphor two more times. Once once now and then one more and then we'll leave you people alone to enjoy your Christmas. Um, let's talk about Christmas gifting. Let's talk about the idea of unwrapping a present and let's talk about something that you can do. Now, look, I know it's Christmas Eve, and this podcast goes live at four thirty PM Australian Eastern Daylight Time. So I know if you if you're desperate for a gift, this is a this is a good tip by the way. If you're desperate for a gift, even if you're not, I wanted to just quickly chat about the idea of giving people shares. Now, shares is not the most exciting idea. Your four year olds are going to go, "Oh wow, thanks! I didn't get the Lego, but <laughs> I love that. I love the piece of paper that's printed out from the computer brokerage saying you bought me, you know, fifty bucks worth of um, what's what's the most boring business? Telstra. Gee, th- thanks, Dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not going to happen. And I'm not saying you should do it instead of toys or anything else, by the way, because, you know, people aren't going to appreciate it just quietly. But there is some benefit of using the opportunity to give someone a gift, whether it's Christmas, whether it's a birthday, whether it's something else. It's genuine, it's tangible, it's valuable, but it's valuable past just the gift itself, right? Mm. It is. It, it, it's an introduction to a world that, that has a lot of benefits. And the earlier you start, it's, it's absolutely the case that, it's a great grandparent gift, I think, for all the grandparents out there to, to give the grandkids, you know, a few shares or something. They are totally not going to care that Christmas. But when they're 21 or something um, and they look back and go, oh, I remember when grandma got me those shares and, you know, it's like now it's worth this. It's just like by the time they're old enough to sort of process that, um, the, the, it, 
the demonstration of that of that power over such a long period of time is just it's just such a, it, it is literally the gift that just keeps on giving because it will continue to give each and each and every year and yeah. it just one of the one of the things we well, it's backed up by every kind of study and just common sense as well. The, the biggest advantage you have mm-hmm. in investing is time. You know, give, give me 50 years to invest rather than a lot of money to invest. You know, it'll, <laughs> oh, it'll, yeah, you'll absolutely. do much better. You'll do much yes. better. So yes. it's like Buffett often jokes that, you know, I think he bought his first share when he was 12. And if he'd started earlier, he would have he would have uh, made a lot more <laughs> money. Right. Exactly. But he's right. He's right. And I think he yeah. made something yeah. like 90% of his wealth after he was 50. Um, I think it's even more than I think it's like 50, 95%. Something it's something like that. Large. Is it? Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. yeah just yeah. That, but that's how that's how compounding works, right? So yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think that's definitely the way. Um, mm. the the question then is, oh, well, what shares do I mm. get? Which is which is another interesting one. And I think we kind of sort of chatted off the air. It's like, well, whether you're a boy or a girl or you're 12 or you're 26 or something, you, uh, from an investment theoretical standpoint, you should just, you know, buy, again, the best risk-weighted, uh, risk-adjusted return potential. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, you smooth talker, mate. That's going to get the kids excited. Man, Here uh, you go, son. Here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's the best possible risk obscure tech company I that I think has got great, great long-term potential. <laughs> waste, waste management or, uh, yeah, exactly. But exactly. your point, which is a very good one, was <laughs> if, if the, yes, obviously you want the investment to do well, but if, if the other aim is to, buy in on the interest and get the alignment and, and make it a bit more tangible. The, the better way is to do something that will resonate with them as, as a person. So if there's someone who's uh, massively into um, their sports, for example, I think you know, Catapult, there you go. There's there's a company that'll that'll, that'll tick a few no. boxes. <laughs> you reckon I should drink when I mentioned Kogan? Man, I'll tell you what. The Catapult, the catapult counts always beating Kogan, I think. If, Maybe not, but maybe maybe, maybe maybe you're someone who does a lot of online shopping, you know, and you like Kogan. Boom! What a great share to to, to give. Um, and you own Catapult. I own Kogan. For yes, the record. yes. And and look, there's just a lot of there's a lot of comp- there's a lot of very obscure companies out mm, there. Most mm. people wouldn't have heard of, <laughs> yeah, but there's plenty right. of very big companies <laughs> that you that's absolutely right. would have not only would yeah. have heard of, but actually yeah. engage with the brand on a regular basis because you're a, you're a faithful client uh, or customer mm. of theirs. And they might not be the best investments from mm-hmm. a pure investment standpoint in all cases, but if it if it that that a bit, and I do it all the time to my um, to my wife's eternal frustration. If ever we <laughs> encounter a business that we've got shares, oh, we own shares in this, you know, that's ours. Um, I, I love that though. I can't tell you how much I love that. I I you know as as a financial advisor, I'm supposed to say here's the here's the company that's going to make you the most money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I honestly reckon if I was going to start off any kid under, I'll say 14, just to pick an arbitrary number, but maybe it's, you know, probably the other side, um, I would literally not try and pick those stocks on the best possible return. Because creating that affinity with the idea of investing for mine is so, so much more valuable and important than this stock. If you bought them shares, I'll pick a company, it's a RPM Global, right? It's a mining software business. Mm. Your kids don't give a stuff. Now, if the shares go up, they might like the fact they made a bit more money. It is the world's most dicker data, the mm. world's most boring businesses that have no interest in, no affinity with, it means nothing to them. Mm. Now, yes, in 40 years' time, they might say, gee, mum and dad, thanks for buying those shares in this obscure e-commerce company called Amazon when no one had ever heard of it. Sure, of course you might. Mm. But I honestly, and I'm not saying buy stuff are going to broke because that's a terrible lesson as well. But I honestly, I am pretty sure if it was up to me and I was going to put together a, a, a portfolio for a kid who is just learning about investing, I'd be picking the either a NASDAQ ETF and you go at Amazon, Google, Apple, Facebook, Tesla, 
And I'd pick Woolies, Telstra. I'd pick uh, maybe maybe a company that owns the Athletes Foot or that owns Smiggle, um, P- uh, Premier Investments. Yes. I literally would be buying businesses that, that when they, to your point. Smiggle's a great one for a kid, right? Mate, when, yeah. when they go in there, they say, I own some of that business and I care about the business and I like the products. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. I can remember relatives of mine who were retired, I think, by the time they bought the sh- their first shares mm. as, as part of superannuation. And I can vividly remember the kind of, it was, it was Maya shares at the time, I think, or DJs, one of the two. And it was like, you know, I remember him saying to me, hey, I walked in there and I thought, I own some of this mm. and I felt different about shopping there. Yeah. And it's literally that, that if you can create that sense of I own some shares, it's part of a business, I get paid every six months, I get, get some mm. of the dividends, mm. right? Like, yeah. I, I, yes. We, yes. We love reinvested dividends. We love that Amazon can, Berkshire can grow a million miles an hour and both of those. They're great. Mm. But seriously, there's nothing better than when the kid goes, I just got five bucks. What for? Just for holding the shares. Yeah. You mean I got five bucks for nothing? Yeah. Well, you own no, part no of the chores, company, no you, you get some of their profit each year. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I literally get the cash. Like, wow, okay, I spun out. Like, and I think, yeah. honestly, mate, as I said, I would happily trade percentage points of return for that earlier appreciation for the power of investing. Because that's what, when you're, when you're a young teenager or, or a tween, that's what you're trying to do. One, one, I agree, although I would say you still want to focus on something that you feel will deliver a return because you don't yeah. want to teach the wrong lesson. Yes, so totally. so if, if there's a company that might they, they might resonate with and engage with, but it's a terrible business and you don't yeah. have – and it's it's going to lose money. Like all that – oh, Uncle Scott gave me this share and you know, <laughs> now it's – it, it teaches the wrong lesson. Yeah. It teaches yeah, it does, the exact yeah. wrong it lesson. Does. It does. Um, one of the – I think we talk a lot about ETFs. I think they're really cool too and some of those thematic ones might mm-hmm. be more attractive for that purpose. You know, it's just sort That's of true. like, oh, you yep. know, yep. I've got a, a flatmate who just loves AI and he's all about AI. And stuff. Mm-hmm. I'll give him an ETF that gives him some exposure to that. You know, yeah, so you, yeah, so you, yeah, can, nice. you can yeah. do it. Yeah. You can do it in that kind of way as well. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like um, that a lot. I'm, I'm I, in the back of my head, mate. When Strawman is is a squillion dollar business, I, I'm going to ask you to, uh, to to set aside some of your money for a for a um, charitable purpose. Uh, I am desperately keen to find a way to help kids get started investing. I'm trying to help my nephews right now, mm-hmm. and it is stupidly difficult for them to invest regular small amounts of money in a way that builds a habit of investing because they're, they're not earning much, right? My yeah. uh, 14-year-old nephew is not working, so he's got some birthday money and he can buy some shares once. But then mm. if he gets another bit of birthday money, another $20, 30 $40, dollars, mm. it's really hard to invest. Yeah. My 16-year-old, almost 16-year-old nephew has started working, but again, he's going to put aside a small amount of his pay. Mm. And he wants to, I say, invest 10%. If he gets paid, you know, 100 bucks for a, a week's work or fortnight's work, whatever they get these days, and he's got to put aside, you know, 10 bucks worth of that for invest. Mm. It's really, really hard to do. You either got to pay truckloads of brokerage just kills you. You can't make the trade at all, which kills you. Mm. Um, it's a really – I'm trying to find a great broker, a great idea for this regular small investing. Mm. It's really, really hard. Yes. Sorry, big tangent, but – Probably not it, economic, which is, why, which is why no one does it. Totally. Or it's just the, the, oh, know. totally. I don't blame them, yeah. but it's they, – they, on behalf of kids, someone somewhere, a vanguard or a charity or someone mm. – has got to come up with a way to make this possible just so that we can help those kids actually develop those habits mm. when they really need to, which is like, right. My nephew's like, I want to do this. Mm. What, what should I do? I'm like, I, it's really, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm going through brokers. I'm going through options. I'm trying to work out how you can do this. Right. And, yeah, they can put all the money in their mum or dad's name. They can add it together and accumulate it. But it's like, that's not the point. It's literally, I'm going to put 10 bucks a week aside. Mm. 
I'm going to invest it every every week. I'm going to have something for it. It's really really difficult. One thing I could point out to you, and this there Please. is there is a commercial relationship with us and these guys, so I should disclose <laughs> right, that. Although there's here there's no promotion, in, nah, there's no promotional thing. But there's a company called Upstreet. So we we All use right. that for our for our premium members. They actually earn credit, so they can redeem for shares. But okay. it's, a, it's a fractional share thing, so you can okay. you can literally buy a dollar worth of shares of BHP oh, really? shares. Yeah. And and the way that That's they cool. they what they do is that they've it's instead of having a loyalty card, you have this Upstreet mm. account. So when you shop at Woolies, rather than getting uh, reward right, points, right. you get shares in Woolies. Um, again, what you might equivalently have gotten in award points, but mm. actually gives it mm. shares. It's really cool. But they've just launched something called share gifting, so you can actually say, nice. "Oh, here you go. Here's five bucks worth of shares," and you can choose. And they're all because of the way that they they were set up. Because as, mm. as award mm. pro, they're all retail consumer facing brands. Yeah. Um, nice, okay. So yeah, look, I, it just it feels what we're oh, talking cool. about. It'd be Thank remiss you. of me not to mention it. Yeah, yeah. No, should, I'm glad I you should did. disclose that we 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 do have a commercial relationship. So. No, that's cool. Man. I'm glad you did that as well. Um, yeah, it's really, really hard. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, finding a, a really good solution for that thing because I just, I don't know how to get right. It's, it's in no one's interest because who wants to do ten dollars trades? And frankly, if you do, you can't really be chess sponsored. So there's also more risk. And I, I yeah. love chess sponsorship if I can find it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm really like I was going to go with Comsec with their pocket ETF thing, and that's two dollars trade, fifty bucks worth of shares. I think that's probably still what I will do. Mm. Um, but you only buy ETFs, you can't buy individual shares. So it's kind of not quite the same thing and it's it's really really difficult so anyway that's that's probably the plan if by the way dear listen you have an idea for me please throw it to me um a because i'd like the idea and i hey this is for free so give me some for now um but if if you do that'd be great because i'm sure there are plenty of other listeners who are saying you know what i have the same problem i'd like to find that solution as well so let's yep. let's go with that mate let's finish off with with some christmas spirit uh, let's get let's get a bit serious for a second. I'm not even kidding. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll I'll kick off, mate. Just just for just for the fun of it. It's it's Christmas time, and so I just want to wish all of our listeners and your family, friends, your nearest and dearest, a very wonderful, safe, and enjoyable festive season. Um, we've had a terrible couple of years, uh, health wise. We've had lockdowns. We've had pandemic concerns, borders closed, all that kind of stuff. And I know a lot of people have been kept from family and friends. It's been, a, it's been a brutal couple of years. And look, I don't know what the future brings. Uh, when we were this time last year, we hoped that next year might be good, 2021. Turned out it was a very, very different outcome. And that's, you know, that's just life, right? We, we learn, we adapt, we adjust. I hope it hasn't been too hard for you this year. Um, I just want to say thank you for listening uh, for to, to Motley Fool Money over the past 12 months, or best part of this year anyway. Um, thank you for spending some time with us. We know there are a million other places you can spend your time and attention. Uh, there's God knows how many streaming services and podcasts and everything else. So if you've spent time with us, we really appreciate it. I hope we've added some value to your life. I hope you've had some fun along the way. We try and do relatively equal components of both. So yeah, I just want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. I'm up myself and the Motley Fool team. Uh, it's been an absolute joy doing the podcast this year so far. We've got more episodes to come this year, by the way. This isn't a sign-off for the year. Uh, but just a great time to say we hope it's great. For those of you who are missing loved ones at Christmas time, uh, we hope it's a not, not too tough a festive season for you. We hope memories will will get you through, and uh, and we hope the future is is bright despite the fact there'll be some empty seats at your table. So, with that, Merry Christmas, mate. I can't add anything to that other than to say very well said, and I concur. I I, I reiterate uh, your sentiments. Um, I wish everyone very well, and thanks very much for listening. I normally finish with full on, but today, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691. 
listener.